Welcome back, everybody, here another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Jason Caldwell to recap the first Auburn football game of the season, of the 2021 season, and of the Brian Parson era. We finally have some real football to talk about, um, and it was some good football for Auburn. It was some efficient. Um, it wasn't perfect on the defensive side of the ball. They let up some points there at the end, but, I mean, it was probably about as good of a performance you can ask for. Two new schemes on both offense and defense for Brian Harson's new coaching staff um, had pretty efficient performances against Akron. They won 60 to 10 on Saturday night inside Jordan Hare Stadium. And Jason, we talked about it a little bit on our exit survey on AuburnUndercover.com. Y'all can go check that out if you want our final thoughts, kind of some exiting analysis on the game. But I think both you and I came away more impressed with the execution on both sides of the ball mainly the offense, because you knew the defense is going to play with that tenacity. They they always do. But scoreboard didn't really matter. And I think we both agreed on that. But um, I was pretty shocked with the way that Bo Nix orchestrated this offense when the starters were in. I mean, their first five series were all touchdowns. I know Akron's defense is, is pretty bad. But for them to not hit any roadblocks, seemingly, when their foot was on the gas in a brand-new offensive scheme, I think was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it started early. Um you know, the first possession, you know, a couple of Tank Beasley runs, got a third and two, and uh, throw a seven-yard out. Shedra Jackson makes a really good grab on the ball outside. Um, you know, then it has another pretty good, pretty solid play on the second one, um, two plays later, and then you have a Tank Beasley touchdown. And that seemed like it just kind of took the edge off a little bit. You, you have a third down conversion early. Um, and we've talked about this offense, um, what I thought it could be. What, what what the potential was because I, I've been watching Bo Nix since he was eighth, ninth grade. I know he's a guy that understands football. And you put him in a position to where he has the ability to to read defenses, to to check down to receivers. And there was a couple of plays that really jumped out to me. You're talking about kind of executing. Um, there's one in the first half where he checks down to, to Tank Bigsby, you know, probably his fourth read. And part of that's because he had time to do it. Um, you know, Akron didn't put a whole lot of pressure on him. But he, he checked down to his 4-3, dumped it off to Tank Bigsby, and it was 15, 18-yard gain or whatever it was. The other one was was one Brian Harson talked about. They had four verticals. Uh, and and his third read was, was Kobe Hudson. He finds him, zips it to him, makes a good catch for a touchdown. Those are plays that, that we have not seen at Auburn in quite a while. I thought it was um, for a first game. Uh, really clean. Yeah, you're, you're right. The execution was there. Not a ton of penalties, not a lot of motion, fault to start. So those things that you sometimes expect in a first game, even with a veteran offense um, in a system they're familiar with, sometimes that happens. Um, thought they were locked in. And uh, it was a, a great way to start both sides of the ball when you start talking about the things that they did on offense and defense. Yeah, I mean, look at what Bo did. He was 20 for 22, completed his first 11 passes of the game that 20 for 22 about 91% completion percentage that breaks the Auburn program record for completion percentage for a quarterback attempting 20 passes or more. The previous record was Jarrett Stidham in that, that game against Mercer. I believe that was 2017 when he had a near perfect game 275 And like you said, three touchdowns through the air. Uh, one of which was kind of going back to what we're talking about was a swing pass to Sean Shivers out of the backfield. It seemed like, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily a, um, 
a negative referendum on on Gus Malzahn and what he did for Bo Nix as a quarterback. But it just seemed like this offense, not even the play calling, but just the way it's orchestrated and the way it's set up, seems to play to Bo Nix's strengths a little bit. But not only him, the strengths of this team, getting getting all these tight ends involved for dump downs for Bo Nix out of the backfield, getting these running backs involved. Tank Bigsby is a great pass catcher. Sean Shivers is able to turn up field and do a lot of things. What did you notice as the key differences between, you know, the Malzahn offense and this offense? And do you agree that maybe, I mean, I know it's first game, obviously early returns, Akron's a really bad defense, but just seemed to me like maybe this is better suited for what Bo Nick's strengths are, what the strengths of this offense are. Yeah, I think you look at it and, and you know, Gus Malzahn's offense works, um, but there's certain things you have to have to make it work really effectively. One of those is you got to run a ball, football really well. Um and when you don't run the football exceptionally well, then then it, it takes it, it puts a lot of pressure on a team because you don't use the backs a whole lot in the passing game. You don't use tight ends a whole lot in the passing game. It becomes a one or two wide receiver. Those guys are open or they're not, and that's pretty much it. We saw last night nine different receivers. We saw John Samuel Schenker caught five passes. We saw Tank Bigsby. We saw Sean Shivers. You, you see the ball spread around to a lot of different faces and. When you think about – people think about Tom Brady. Think about Tom Brady over the years, the tight ends and the running back catches that, he's, that he has. Yeah. I mean, he's won Super Bowls. Other than Randy Moss, how many dominant wide receivers has he had? Maybe none. Um, he's had some really good players, but no dominant. You go, that, I mean, that guy's a, a Hall of Fame, sure enough, NFL wide receiver. It's because they they spread the ball around and make everybody defend every player on the field. We saw that last night. Now, can you can you continue to do that against a really good team? That's the question. But for a defense, when you take you know two players and go, okay, you know if they're gonna throw the football, it's probably gonna be one of these two guys. All of a sudden, now they'll throw the football. It could be to any one of four or five guys. That changes the dynamics and also opens up some more of that running game because now the linebackers, those guys, all of a sudden they can't just fly into the hole. They can't just, just, just you know, take off upfield because of the threat of the swing pass or the dump off or the tight ends. Um, it uh, It's something I think is, is a great building block for first game for this Auburn offense. Yeah, 10.6 yard. Well, let's see, 10.4 is what we ended at, yards per play for Auburn. So a first down every time they snap the ball, that was the highest yards per play for them. Um, since that game against Western Carolina all the way back in 2013, a few games into Gus Malzahn's tenure. And the biggest thing for me was every time Bo Nix dropped back, and this was a concern that a lot of Auburn fans had, was this receiving core. But almost every time he dropped back, there was a player in position where he wanted to go with the ball. Um, I think Harson said that that touchdown you're referring to, Kobe Hudson, was probably Bo's most impressive throw of the evening just because he was able to go through his progressions and realize that because of the coverage, Kobe Hudson was going to be open. Now it helps that Akron just decided not to cover people at times. I mean, Javarius Johnson ran wide open for his touchdown, but I think this game made it pretty apparent why. And a lot of people were asking, you know, you know, where's Xavier Capers and where's Elijah Canyon? You know, this is a deep receiving core, but this game made it pretty apparent why the guys at the top of this receiving core are at the top because they don't have much in the way of a previous rapport with Bo Nix, and yet they were still pretty in sync in this game and, and seemed to be in the right spot almost every time they threw the ball. Yeah, it's um, it's part of the learning process for an offense. And we, we talked about 
kind of being on the same page, being in sync, um, running some option routes. They got to know what the defense is doing uh, and and feel like they're they're kind of uh, on the same wavelength a little bit. And we saw some of that last night. Some of that is is going to be the ability to run the football. The more Tank Bigsby runs the football, the more that those safeties and, and linebackers have to have to you know be on alert and and that play action works. And that's the same trick thing. No matter what, no matter what offense you run, if you can run the football, then it's going to give you more opportunities to throw it and. But I think this is an offense that gives you more options in the passing game. And we saw some of those last night, whether it was some of the third downs, um, using you know, some of the, the, the routes on, on, the, on the corner. Um, they didn't really attack the middle of the field a ton. I think that's going to come. Um, but they didn't really need to do that last night. Um, but I thought overall, um, those guys, we did see a couple of plays down the middle, whether it was you know, Shedrick Jackson uh, down the middle for a deep ball, Saw Javarius Johnson for a touchdown where he we came across the middle and, and kind of cleared it out. But um, overall, it was uh, it was about all you could ask for from an offensive standpoint. Um, when you consider that um, played one possession in the second half, you had a two minute you know late in the first half where they drive the ball down the field, get a field goal um, with no timeouts. Um, that was a that was something that gets overlooked a little bit. To do that in, in a scrimmage is important. To be able to do that in a game and execute it against another team, um, that had to be a big-time confidence boost when you're talking about a new offense. That's a little bit different than you know, going out there and just running a regular offense. I thought that was something that was was pretty important. Yeah, that was something that Brian Harson touched on. Either it was after the first scrimmage or the second scrimmage. It's something they did well, the offense executing the, the two-minute drill well. And we saw it on display there. And they, they would have had a touchdown if they had had a little bit more time because – no one was going to stop. Akron was not going to stop their offense whenever Brian Harson had his foot on the gas. Yeah, so, I mean, we barely even touched on Tank Bigsby, but like you said, you know, the running game is where it all started. I asked Bo Nix, you know, what allowed you guys to be so successful in terms of your efficiency and execution um, in a brand-new offense? And he said it was offensive line and the running game. It all started up front, and it was an O-line that was still shuffling. Um, you had both the guard spots were moving around, but – they're still trying to decide there whether it's going to be Brandon Council left guard, whether it's going to be Alec Jackson. And on the right side, you have Keandre Jones um, and Tayshawn Manning. But Tank Bigsby went for 119 yards on 13 carries. He had the game's first touchdown, Auburn's first touchdown of the season where he had enough separation to where he was celebrating like 20 yards out from the end zone. Um, but then Jarquez Hunter is a guy that we heard a lot about in the preseason. But at least to me, what I heard the most about was his strength, what he did in the weight room. Um, how good of an athlete he was in that regard. Um, but he can really move. I mean, he had 110 yards on only nine carries. His touchdown run was really impressive. He just bowled a guy over. Um, but he might be, in terms of an SEC running back, he might be a pretty good third option for them right now. Um, seems like they're maybe saving Sean Shivers a little bit. I would think you want both him and Bigsby's legs to be fresh against Penn State. But I was pretty impressed about what the freshman running back did. Yeah, and Jarquez Hunter was really good. And you're right. That, that weight room power translates into explosiveness. And we saw him, you know, his first carry, bounce the ball outside, turn the corner, uh, and ran through some tackles. And all, all I needed to know was was when you, when you break a, a record that was held by Marcus Dupree in, in your high school, um, when you do those things, that's all I need to know about your potential. And, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he kind of reminds you of these guys that – that you know, like the Baltimore Ravens have had it running back, you know, over over time, where he's you're not not really a bowling ball, but he's one of those guys that that's hard to tackle, bigger than you think he is. Um, but he's not this big six three guy. 
think about the history of the history of the best running backs in the National Football League historically. When you think about the all-time leading rusher, Emmitt Smith, maybe 5'9", uh, you know, over 200 pounds. Barry Sanders, 5'8". Um, over and over again, you think about how many of those running backs have been really good that were less than six feet tall. Um, I think Dark West Hunter's a guy, you're right, a really good third option. Hey, we, we saw a little bit of Sean Jackson, too, and, and not a bad guy to, to throw into the mix as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately um, – for maybe the schedule and for testing this team, but maybe fortunately for those guys, we may see a lot more than this Saturday against Alabama State. So, I mean, there's a chance that those guys could be, you know, piling up some pretty impressive numbers here early in the season and uh, get some really good experience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I guess I'm just kind of manifesting that situation with Shivers. I'm just kind of interested to see. He only had two carries. He had two touchdowns and only three touches the yeah. entire game. Um, completely healthy. Um, yeah, I think obviously. I think you're right. I think they they know what he can do. Yeah. Um, and and that game kind of got out of hand so quick that you didn't really need a second guy. You know, Tank got his touches, and you look up. It's it's 28-35. Shivers has the touchdown run, and you go well. Instead of it taking six plays to, to score, it took two. That's pretty much it. You don't need him anymore. So yeah, I think Shivers his his touches will come. Um, but you know, he's a guy that probably get more of those touches as you get into the SEC schedule. Yeah, and it's re- I mean, it wasn't a strange situation or anything like that because if you look down, um, Bigsby had 13 carries, but I mean, and Jarquez Hunter had nine touches, nine nine times carrying the ball, but that was only because he was the guy who carried the load um, at the end of the game. A lot of people were asking too about Jordan Ingram. He was he was there. He was fine. Um, they just decided. Sean Jackson was the better option right now. And like you said, this next game against Alabama State, another tune-up game, maybe you can try, try to figure things out there in terms of the backfield depth. But over on the defensive side of the ball, um, took Akron 27 plays to cross midfield. Really, really good start for that defense. Um, I didn't think Cato Nelson was going to be able to get the ball off after that second series. I mean, it, it seemed like that pass rush um, was really on it, and that was one of the biggest concerns for this team uh, in the offseason. But you had six sacks, 11 negative plays overall created by the defense. And three of them and one sack uh, were by T.D. Moultrie. And I think that was everybody's kind of unanimous defensive player of the game because that kind of performance for him, he's been a guy that's been a, a preseason hype magnet for two or three years now and really hasn't delivered on it. But for him to do that and give you another option on the edge across from Derek Hall is really important. But also, Jason, you, you kind of found yourself in like a solo <laughs> – interview with TD after the game. Um, and he had some pretty interesting things to say about what Akron did in terms of identifying other guys along the line and why that freed him up. I think it's what you see when you look at, at defenses. Um, the more weapons that you have on the defensive side of the ball, then you get guys that have a chance to have one-on-one matchups. We talked about it a lot of times when we talked about Marlon Davidson. Because of Derek Brown, Marlon got a lot of single you know, instead of, you know, instead of having to face double teams and, and he made it pay, you got Derek Hall out there, you got Colby Wooden out there, you know, they're not going to be able to, to, to put two guys on the edge, not going to be able to chip 
on TD Moultrie. We saw a whole lot more of it than I thought we were going to see. We saw a whole lot more of Derek Hall and TD Moultrie on the field at the same time. Um, you know, both those edge guys on the field on opposite sides. It was a much smaller defensive line than, than we anticipated. Um, it was almost, I mean, technically it was probably a 4-2-5, but in reality, it may have been a 2-4-5. Um, you know, just Marcus Harris and Colby Wooden inside, and they rotated Marquise Burks, and we saw some Tony Fair, and he got off the ball pretty well. But TD talked about having so many other guys. They had to, they have to lean towards Derek, Derek Hall a little bit. They have to lean toward Colby Wooden. Basically, he he was kind of the, the forgotten guy, and he, he made him pay, but it was his effort. Early on, he chases, you know, Cato Nelson down from behind, and him and Owen Popo kind of clean it up. And um, it that's the guy that I saw at Jackson Nolan High School when he was a junior and a senior. That's the guy that we saw as a freshman at Auburn, and we hadn't seen that guy since then. Um, now he's got the opportunity to to finish off on the right foot, and he uh, he's off to a great start with that. It, it, you know, maybe the best game of his career. Um, you know, game Saturday night. Yeah, it really does seem like that base defense now for for Derek Mason is going to be those two down linemen who are can both both do interior and exterior um, technique. It's it's Colby Wooden and it's Marcus Harris. Which Marcus Harris had a sack. He looked pretty good. Colby Wooden, I think, had a tackle and a half for loss. So this entire front seven was really impressive. Owen Papo made a great stop in the open field, I believe on one of the fourth downs. Um, Jacoby McLean, him and Moultrie had seven tackles to lead the team. Um, and no, really no explosive plays. The The scoring for Akron didn't start until late in the third quarter, I believe is when they scored their, the, for the first time. So, um, and the reserves were starting to come in. So really not much for Auburn fans to complain about um, leaving the stadium. Jason, we'll get into it a little bit more later this week when we when we talk about Alabama State and we preview that game. Um, it's tough not to look ahead, so let's just do it for a second, though, to Penn State. I, I feel like, you know, the team is going to do a good job. Harson's going to keep them focused, but that game just looms so large, especially after Penn State. I don't know if you'd call it an upset, but in one of the biggest games of, of week one, they got a win on the road at Wisconsin, and they did it because of their defense. So I think it's going to be crucial in this next game, like you talked about, for Auburn to continue to tune up that offense because this might be a game, and this is what you and I talked about in the press box on Saturday, this might be a game where if Auburn scores 24, I, 27 points, you might be able to get a win in that game. I agree. It could be a 20-17 to 17 kind of game. It's going to be um, physical. Um, you know, Auburn kind of playing a little bit of a, a Big Ten-style football at times. Um, the way they want to play, uh, obviously more athleticism outside in, in some spots, but, uh, Penn state's a pretty athletic team. They got a couple of really good weapons outside. Um, yeah, it's, this is, this is an important week for Auburn because they always say you, you, you improve the most from week one to week two, but how do you do that from Akron to Alabama state? Um, that's the challenge for this team. You know, Brian Harson has talked one and oh, he's talked about one and oh, since he arrived on campus, it was the thing. This is the week when that can pay off because you've got to have that mindset because it's not going to happen on Saturday. This is the week it happens Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You improve these days during the week um, against each other, you know, fixing mistakes, doing some of those things. It's probably not going to happen on Saturday. What you want on Saturday is to go out and do the same thing you did in, in, in week one, which is execute, you know, play clean football, go out and, and, and find ways to, to score and 
um, you know, get some guys on the field. That's going to be the goal. But yeah, this is this is one of those important one and zero weeks, you know, for Brian Harson because not going to learn a whole lot more about your team come come Saturday. At least you better not. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, like you said, that's one of the things you're going to hear all across the country as you improve from week one to week two. But Auburn's in an interesting situation in that they play the two objectively no argument the two worst teams on their schedule we see which one is worse i wouldn't be surprised if alabama state might be a little bit more competitive than akron was at the beginning of this game just because akron was like frustratingly terrible as a football team at times yeah, um, yeah i don't know I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that one i think that i think we saw a better team saturday and we'll see this week that's yeah it alabama state did need overtime uh to beat miles college 14 13 in their season opener so We'll see. Should be like Mark said a couple weeks ago, a couple a uh, couple exhibition games. But yeah, I mean, you might not see Auburn secondary really tested um, until that right. game against Penn State. So that'll be yep. something to watch for. Like you said, um, Jahan Dotson's like a top six, seven yep. receiver mm-hmm. in the country. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Parker Washington was one of the best receivers in the Big Ten last season. So we'll all be looking ahead to that Penn State game. But of course, we'll have plenty of preview coverage for Alabama State. That's an 11 a.m. kick inside Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. Thanks so much to Jason for coming on the podcast today and breaking down this game. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast. That is the number one thing that helps us out. We will be back later this week with another edition of the round table, looking ahead, predicting, previewing the Alabama state game on Saturday. The intro and outro music is by beats by Mordecai. You can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud and Instagram. And until the next episode, I will talk to you guys later. Everybody have a good start to the week. 